0: Welcome to The Deeper Dive. We're going to take a look this week at this all-important idea of community and solitude and how real community requires, isn't just benefited by, but necessitates real solitude. How these two spiritual disciplines are interdependent. We asked the question on Sunday, George, where does the love come from? It's easy to charge the church up, love one another as Jesus loved us. So we ought to love one another. But that kind of begs the question, how did Jesus love us? And what we looked at was how Jesus loved us behind the curtain by going back to the Father. Now he could have loved us just by being God and being himself, the bottomless well, the endless fountain of love, but he loved us by modeling how we love well, which is to go Go back to the father to steal away to lonely places as he's loved us so love one another in trying to build his church, it seems like it's important to look at how he did it behind the curtain.
1: Absolutely. The idea that, that we don't have to maybe muster up that love in and of ourselves, like we're incapable of doing that. What's the passage in Colossians that it talks about? The love that the Holy Spirit has given us for one another, that, that the love that we have isn't self-generated, but it comes from God. So I would encourage many of you, if y'all, if y'all are listening to this, if you've missed any part of it, this series of The Deeper Dive, this particular one has been based on the series that we've been going through this called together. So if you missed any part of that, uh, just go back. It lives online as long as the internet is a thing and exists. Uh, You can get caught up, but we're going to continue the conversation today, sort of unpacking that idea that you just mentioned from this past weekend.
0: That's true every week. It felt especially true this week, trying to talk about such a deep, complex, and nuanced subject as solitude in a relationship with Jesus. Easy to reduce to, hey, everyone have a quiet time, but there's a world that lives in that spiritual discipline. And I think one that uh, too often in the fast paced and frenetic culture of 21st century America gets lost to our spiritual peril. We're joined today by none other than the pastor uh, of the deep voice.
1: Yes, He's got the best voice of all time. The one and only Daniel Brown, Pastor Pastor
0: Daniel, (laughs) Daniel. Welcome.
2: Hey, glad to be here.
0: Daniel, in addition to having a mellifluous voice, has spent wait, wait, a lot wait 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 wait
1: wait 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 what, what oh, is that? Yeah. Mellifluous voice. Melliflu. Yeah. Mellifluous. Mellifluous. I love like it. Sorry, deep, go ahead. That resonant, pleasing <laughs> Never heard there. that word before. That's amazing.
0: Do you remember the Saturday Night Live skit that was like the top ten words best spoken by James Earl Jones? <laughs> Daniel, I I think we could do like the top 10 best words spoken by Pastor Daniel. But in addition to his mellifluous voice uh, and the leadership he brings as the executive pastor of Denver United, Daniel, most of you who have been around Denver United know is uh, is a man of God who has devoted really your adult life to pursuing and understanding and, and practicing and then teaching this idea of following Jesus as he retreated to lonely places to be with the Father. This is, I, I, I dare say, and it's really yours to say for yourself, but what I see in you is a life passion and a, a, a part of of your spiritual journey that uh, so deeply enriches us.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, I, I think it is a core message to my life and, and something that has been really God's grace in my life, this idea of solitude. Because really early on, I've been leading in church for 15 years. Early on in leadership and in my relationships, what I found is no matter how hard I tried and even how well I was good at the external aspects of life and ministry, um, if I didn't uh, find a way to, to meet God in my inner being, and be transformed as a leader, then my relationships and in my leadership would exist to affirm me rather than, mm-hmm. uh, then really be a selfless act. And and so really, it's kind of leading and wow. living out of insecurity. And so solitude has been a life uh, a life goal because I think it's in that place that we'll talk about today that. Really, I'm set free from those inner impulses uh, that uses people really mm-hmm. to validate me as a leader and as, as a father, as a husband, as a friend.
0: Dang, that cuts yeah. right to the heart of it. Uh, incredibly convicting, and I hope that resonates with you all. Our premise on Sunday, and we'll we'll kind of begin where we ended there. That Jesus built His church. We're looking at how Jesus built His church, as you guys know, because as we reboot for the fall and all the more in the COVID era. We're banking on the promise that Jesus would build his church, right? That one is a surefire winner. Jesus built his church to require more love than we humans can self-generate. He built it on people who don't have what it takes, which is an irony. It feels a lot like Jesus, right? Um, And that he showed us how to go and get it. Fortunately, it is built on a renewable resource, not a resource that's renewable within ourselves, but which comes from heaven, comes from God, and he built it to, and it's such a beautiful expression of God's heart for us, not his worker bees, but his sons and daughters. He built it, his church, for us to need to come back and reconnect with his heart because that, I believe, is the win for God and it's the win for us. Authentic Jesus community, we said, in conclusion, is sustained by authentic Jesus' solitude. Daniel, we looked at the Henry Nouwen quote from the booklet uh, moving from solitude to, minist- to community to ministry mm-hmm. that you first shared with me. Yeah. I referenced an excerpt and a sentence from that excerpt. If we don't know we are the beloved sons and daughters of God, we're going to expect someone in the community to make us feel that way, and they cannot. We're going to look for it in a way that amounts to codependence.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was one of those messages that when I read that initially probably 10 years ago, it just rocked me. And and it, I mean, it spoke true to the reality of my life early on where I was looking to community to feel something. And I, I think we've all experienced this where it, it you kind of get disappointed, right? You're, well, they're never good enough. They never ask enough. They never pursue me enough. It always seems like I'm pursuing them, right? We always have these excuses. And the reality is until we're secure we have a tendency to, to, to not attract people that are secure. And, and, and I think that Henry just hits it right on the head of that as we are, are secure, community is two people secure in their love um, living life together. And ironically, when you get to that place, or, or let's say this, you get there and then you lose it, you get there and lose it. So it's not like I've arrived and now I'm secure for the rest of my life. This right. is a constant going back. But when you get to that place, the, the reverse effect of that is then God begins to work through community to affirm you. Hmm. But it's not until you first kind of die to that. Like, hey, it, and, and I mean, whether that is your small group or your wife, you know, I think a lot of us, we get married, we think you're going to be my affirmation. yeah, yeah, And then we're constantly kind of criticizing our wife because they're not enough and they don't do enough. They don't affirm us enough. Mm-hmm. And it's when we get to that place of solitude with a father... And we, we start living out of that affirmation of you are loved, you are enough. Mm. And not just hearing it, but hearing it directly in a transformed mm. way from the Father in solitude. That we truly can then receive it from others without it becoming an idol in our lives. Mm.
0: Man, that idea um, is super uh, compelling. And I have to confess, super convicting. M- Mari used to say um, that we humans instinctively try to meet legitimate needs in mm-hmm. illegitimate ways. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so often how community goes south. We're, we're pursuing a legitimate need, but we're trying to meet it in an illegitimate way. We're trying to bypass God's way. And I confess that like, that pokes at the heart because I have found myself doing that.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, just listening to you talk about it is, I mean, I've heard you share this stuff before, um, but it's just convicting every time. Uh, the the realization that I look to other people to do for me what they are not built in and of themselves to do but it's only once you have a bunch of individuals and rob you sort of touched on this on sunday that are living out of a place of solitude with the father that out of that place then we actually can begin to but it's we sort of want to to skip that and I, I don't know I, I don't want to get ahead of of where we're going but in the spirit of the deeper dive, I man, I've talked to a lot of people and wondered myself too at times of what that, what that looks like. Like, because I think solitude is probably more than spending the first five to ten minutes of my, of my day reading my Bible by myself. I feel like there's something deeper to actually allowing yourself to live out of that place of of solitude and communion with God. What would you say, Daniel, to somebody who is like, yeah, I want that, like, but how do I? What does that look like? What are my first steps to leaning into that direction? Is it is it just me spending time alone with God? And, and if is it more than that? Is it deeper than that? What does that look like for someone who wants it, but doesn't know where to start?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, really the term solitude has such a wide variety of definition and experience. I mean, in times in the scripture, you see solitude literally being a place of solitude for Jesus, right? I mean, in the wilderness for 40 days, almost every great leader, if you look throughout the Bible, Every great leader had moments of extended, actual physical solitude, mm-hmm. um, where they were in the day, uh, the wilderness for forty days, or they were, um, you know, uh, delivered from Egypt and placed in the desert, and and have this time of refining, really. And so I think before you define the actual expression, you get to you. I think simplifying what it is, and I think at its very core, it's getting to a place where where there is only one voice buying for your attention Dang. where there's one voice that is speaking to you and and for some that takes going to a little literal place of isolation of solitude mm-hmm. but for others it's it's just having that regular place where that singular voice is speaking directly to you rather than the voices um, um, of of your brokenness, the voices of your society, the voices of your childhood, whatever those things are that are constantly pulling at us, even in community. It's getting that singular place where we're hearing the affirmation, we're hearing the direction of the Father. And I'd say it's more than a quiet time in the sense of, Sometimes we can make quiet time about just like kind of reading our Bible and kind of going through the motions. Um, and it's really allowing us to have a transformative experience uh, where, where it's very personal with the Father. And so solitude has, has a lot of expressions. I think on a practical level, it's just continuing to create that space where, where you're saying, God, you have my full attention, my undivided attention for twenty minutes, for a day, and 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 I think to get to that point it takes practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why solitude is known as a, a as a praxis or a practice of spiritual discipline is because spiritual disciplines are about practice. You're practicing this to train your soul to be responsive to God. Mm-hmm. Man. I think it takes training too. It takes intentionality because
0: solitude and silence are two values or experiences that we could live along a productive, effective life in our day and culture that most would call successful and never actually experience. You don't have to experience them. In fact, you have to be intentional uh, in order to do so. The, um, The story of Elijah, you know, you talked about the great heroes of faith having a staccato moment or season of extended solitude. He, of course, um, ran when God told him to. He was at the end of his rope. Uh, there was a series of dramatic um, uh, uh, natural events or maybe supernatural huh. <laughs> events. That, and each one, the scripture simply says God was not in it. The hurricane, the whirlwind, etc., uh, the, the earthquake but then um, God's voice came. And we, our translations say things like in a still small voice. Did you learn it that way? Yeah. In a still small voice. Um, as I dug in on that idea, I realized the, the Hebrew says it was God's voice came in the sound of silence. Hmm. Which is, a, of course, a, 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 an oxymoron. But the point is, it was in the complete absence of any activity Or noise, And it was the stripping away of all the things that competed for his attention that was the context for hearing God speak. And indeed, it seems how God spoke at that time. And that's what I hear you saying. And it is, it's a discipline because we have to choose it intentionally or it's likely never to happen on its own.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. And I mean, Dallas Willard said it best. Um, He said, it's training over trying. And, you know, we try to be these people that, that, I oh, mean, I feel I'm loved by God. I'm trying really hard to feel loved by God. And I don't know, like you guys, every time I've tried that, I don't walk away <laughs> feeling more loved by God. Right. But by practicing um, relinquishing the other voices of affirmation in, in, in even good things, you know, I'm a, you know, relinquishing my gifting relinquishing where I feel affirmed, in the spaces I feel affirmed. Um, I'm sure Jesus didn't feel affirmed in the, the wilderness. <laughs> I right. felt he, very, he was starving. <laughs> <Right>. Nor did <laughs> Jesus
0: wait to go away to a lonely place yeah. until there was a lull in his popularity. It no. was in the crescendo the moment of so many people seeking him out that he had to, like, force the issue and sneak off Ooh. under the cover of nightfall.
2: I mean, you, you strike something. I mean... <laughs> Uh, I mean, Elijah did the same thing, right? He's toe-to-toe with the king, says there's going to be a drought. Next thing we know, God takes him and puts him in the wilderness. There is something parallel to the fact that at the greatest moment of opportunity and ministry and life, um, often God will take us away into solitude so that the depth of our character can hold the weight of our leadership. Okay, so what I hear you saying is that among other things, the, those
0: moments don't come passively. No. Solitude no. isn't yeah. a, about waiting for the moment when it's quietest and then turning the last dial down. It's about standing in the face of the onslaught of not only challenges, but success and affirmation mm-hmm. and saying at this point, no, yeah. uh, this is what I choose. What does that look like? Or what ha- maybe asking rather than what does that look like empirically, what has that looked like in your lives?
1: Well, I mean, I think even before jumping, I just I was thinking about something that you guys just said of, I wonder if part of the reason that sometimes I and maybe the collective we struggle with solitude with God, you talked about creating a space where there's only a singular voice that we're looking from or stripping away the noise. Like, I wonder if the reason that we have a hard time doing that with God is because we have a hard time doing that with anything. Like, I wonder how many spaces that we're called into that where we're actually only focused on one thing at a time, Mm -hmm. our whole life, it's almost celebrated to be able to do multiple things, Mm -hmm. you know, at the same time, Mm -hmm. whether it's, I'm having a conversation with my wife, but I'm kind of watching the nuggets game out of the corner of my eye. Like I'm, I'm not really good at doing (laughs) or being anywhere fully. Um, So I feel like that maybe that's a, like you said, it's a practice that you can begin in every area of your life with the most important one leading to and being our solitude with God. Mm. But I don't know. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah. I, wow. I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I think as far as, as practice goes, how I experienced it, I think it's been different in every season. I I mean, there's some seasons like we see in the scripture where God forces people into solitude. And I think that there's many people right now that are forced into solitude and it's based on limitations. So I remember a season where my wife had surgery. You guys know this; uh, she had facial reconstruction surgery, so she couldn't even talk. <laughs> you know, and it was really quiet in her house. Um, as you know, my kids are pretty quiet. My wife was pretty quiet already. It was even extra quiet. I can't um, even imagine. Season, yeah, <laughs> and and I was at home. I don't and even have quiet
0: animals. I was no. at home, and
2: you you guys were like honoring, you know, the distance and. And I remember I was forced into a little bit of solitude um, because I was there caring for my wife, and, and and it's in those moments I think that what we do best sometimes, and maybe some of you find who's listening to this find you in this place, that sometimes in our limitation, God is saying I brought you into a season of solitude, and then and so for me it's just been quit fighting that, mm. quit fighting it. And because I, I want to get back to the places that are affirming, I want to get pl- back to the places that are X, but quit fighting that. And then other seasons, and I see we, we see this in Jesus. He has seasons where God takes him to, the, or the Holy Spirit takes him into the wilderness. But then we see that Jesus then makes it a discipline of his life that he regularly does. Wow. And he normally does it after, or normally a great ministry achievement, um, like the feeding of thousands of people. And and I think that's because he. I think he knew. If I'm not careful, I'm going to slip into losing my identity here. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to go away with the Father and get affirmed. And so for me, a lot of times after I preach, um, I have a regular time of solitude. Um, and, and, and then once a, a quarter, I have a regular time of solitude. And then every day I start my day with solitude. And it's just because I want to start from that place of, of not my plans, not my agenda, not what I'm seeking, but Lord... I want to hear your voice. I want, I want to live from this this starting point. So uh, uh,
0: There's two things I want to ask you, and I'm trying to think of the right sequence to ask them. One is, um, and I'm, I'm tempted to jump there, but I think I want to do the second. How do we how do we do that? We, I talked on Sunday about scheduling first what matters most. How do you guys schedule? I don't know if there's a, a right way or a biblical way, but there are more and less maybe effective or tried and true ways. Um, but before that, I, what I'm wrestling with is um, what is it, what is the mechanism? Is it, what happens in the black box? Like, How does getting alone um, with God replenish our love. Like I believe it does, I know it happens in me. I wanna see if we can pull those parts, pieces apart. Like Jesus went away and and Zephaniah 317 happened to him. I I presume God rejoiced over him with singing and renewed him in his God the Father's love. And so that that love came out. Uh, How does God the Father work Jesus or form Jesus in our hearts through the Holy Spirit in that solitude. I know that's like a, a seminary semester class, but can, can we unpack that for a couple minutes?
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, like you said, there's probably so many ways to answer that that are all true. I think for me, the thing that I find in those moments is, is probably most related to you know Jesus and his baptism, right? Where the voice affirms him and just says, hey, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And I think so much of life and just our culture as 21st century Westerners is attached to what we do and are we measuring up? are we performing? We compare ourselves, whether mm-hmm. we mean to or not to everyone else? Mm-hmm. And just there's a whole lot of striving, I think mm-hmm. um, in our day-to-day lives, even if we don't mean to. even in like ministry, we're like that's a thing we're, we're not even doing, but it just runs in the background even if we don't intend for it to. So for me, in those times where it's just me and God, just me and Jesus, I feel like it's that replenishing of you're my son. Mm-hmm. And I'm pleased with mm-hmm. you, not with what you do. And there's just like a, a <laughs> again, you have to do this every day, but there's just a weight that, 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 that lifts off of your soul that frees you up to be present mm-hmm. with other people mm-hmm. because I'm not trying to earn anything. God just reminds me in those times that he loves, that he's pleased with me. And it's not about yeah. what I produce, but it's about who he has created me to be in him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Daniel, you, you what, in what George is saying, I heard echoes of your word earlier, security. There's a security uh, in my identity that comes, that gets refreshed when I'm receiving love from the father so it's less of coming to him and him giving me a restock of bullets of love to fire into the world and more of his renewing me myself in his love for me which opens the floodgates uh, uh from my capability of loving others can you kind of expound on that idea of of how um receive solitude and receiving god's love sort of builds up our security or identity
2: mm, yeah yeah, I mean, as so much of it is a mystery. I mean, I think it's it's creating space for the mystery of God to work in us. But I love the word you use, George, of it's the only place that we stop striving. Right. You know, it's kind of like that place you get with your spouse after being married for several years and you just get comfortable. And sometimes just being with each other in each other's presence, not needing to speak, mm. is some of the most affirming you know, the fact that I don't have to entertain you. I don't have to be clever. Yeah. I don't have to be smart. I don't have to be funny. I don't have to be anything. I can just be beloved. And that is the sweet place of marriage. And I think that's where God... I think that gives us an image of what God is doing in those mm. moments. Is, is, is detaching us from our striving in those places. And I think so much of what we do is focused on what we call the active disciplines and the active disciplines are so core to the message of the gospel but the problem is if not counterbalanced with the passive disciplines such as solitude then then our our whole lives are are wrapped around our striving
0: right yeah the disciplines the active disciplines without the passive disciplines can tilt toward striving mm-hmm. and performance mm-hmm. of Religious duty and over time that sucks life rather than gives it Um, What is a so to the second question? um, What are some rhythms some? um, Ways of scheduling first what we what matters most let's just say for the sake of the discussion that We've persuaded our friends and they're like, okay, I'm in this matters to me a lot now uh, What would you have me do? How how have you guys scheduled first? Uh, this priority in ways that have sustained and built you?
1: Yeah, so uh, again, I I might be some of the minority in this at times. Uh, I I definitely believe in scheduling first, but sometimes first maybe signifies the time of day. I think there's also a a value in scheduling around when your energies are the best, you know what I mean? So if you're someone who just hates the morning and you hate everybody, in the morning. You know what I mean? Like maybe that's not your best energy, but maybe you find the time where your natural rhythm is feeling like the most life and you schedule some time at that point yeah. where you where you can really devote yourself fully to God. So for me, sometimes that's that sometimes that'll fluctuate depending on yeah. the season I'm in. But I always wanna schedule a time of day, whether it's at night before I go to sleep, in the morning so when it's, I wake up. It's
0: prime time for you, not necessarily time. First in the sequence of hours. You know what comes to mind is the, the rocks and the sand illustration that we all did when we were youth pastors or whatever, where you put the the sand in first and the rocks don't all fit in. But when you put the rocks in first, the sand fills in around it. And so scheduling first, I hear you saying, means like um, giving the greatest, like the pole position priority uh, to what you've chosen to build life around and then fill the other stuff in around it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I And I think for me, it's, it's been this idea of, of I think uh, Peter Schizero says it well, of, of running at a pace for loving union. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it is about my plan, but it's also my pace. I can plan it all day long, but if I'm running into the solitude, I'm probably not going into solitude. That's so good. Like It, it is a posture of life. That I strategically pace my life at, and I get off of that pace often, but then I have to return to that pace, and 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 create this this rhythm of of constant returning to that solitude, and and so that does mean scheduling it for me. Um, I have a daily, um, weekly, and uh, uh, kind of monthly or quarterly. Um, way and the reason I say that it, it, it seems like that's a lot but honestly it becomes so second nature mm-hmm. that you don't even know you're doing it and the reason I think it's important to do it that often mm-hmm. and that that um, as part of your rhythm is because it's kind of the, like um, quantity, of, quantity of time equals quality of time mm-hmm. you know we, we I've talked to a lot of people I coach in this and they're like man I did it and it was horrible I couldn't focus and there's all these things pulling at me and I couldn't hear the Lord's voice and I felt like he was distant and and it's kind of like that time like you plan one date with with your wife or with your son or your daughter or whoever and you expect it to be like this really sweet time but you haven't done it in two months (laughs) it's probably not gonna be that sweet it might be okay right um but you're probably not gonna walk away going man my love tank is filled up um you have to have a quantity of time because there's gonna be a lot of times it stinks so, and and, so and the more it becomes a part of your pace mm-hmm. and, and just like something that you just do. Like I, I get up and I do it every morning and sometimes God like really meets me there and sometimes I'm like fighting to stay focused. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason th- by doing that, what I do is guarantee that at some point yeah. within this <laughs> right. month, I'm going to have that moment. That and, recurrence,
0: uh, that regularity, yeah. I think is... Uh, is another dimension of of, of first, of prioritization. And I think that maybe what God had in mind with the commandment around the Sabbath, Mm -hmm. you know, honor it, keep it holy, um, prioritize that time for its own sake, intrinsically, regardless of how it makes you feel on week Mm -hmm. one or on week 101. And um, I think then you're like, well, then why, what guarantee do I have? Well, the guarantee of faith that when we seek him, we find him. Mm -hmm. How many times have we sought God, taken him at his word and found him? This is one more. It's just Mm -hmm. one that flows so against the current of our daily life, most of us and our culture that it feels like a bigger step of faith at first. You mentioned though, that daily, weekly, quarterly rhythms seem awfully like heavy handed until it just kind of becomes second nature. I would suggest that there are loads of, things we do daily, weekly, quarterly, and annually that don't feel heavy handed at all because we don't really think about them. We wouldn't not like, like oral hygiene, (laughs) right? No one ever thinks, Oh my gosh, what a, what a burdensome routine. I got to brush my teeth again today. I I got to go to the dentist. I just went to the dentist six months ago. You know, um, these are, these are rhythms of life and I think God designed our spiritual life to function and thrive on similar rhythms, is it okay that it doesn't feel natural or, or wonderful at first?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I would say it's not going to feel wonderful. And I would say in general, it doesn't feel wonderful. I, I think we often think of solitude and we think of vacation. We think of like resting in a hammock. And, and granted, there are times where I have had wonderful naps during solitude, so don't get me wrong. But uh, Henry Nouwen, in, in one of his books, says that solitude is the place of refining. So it is not comfortable. Mm. In fact, for a long time, it's going to be very uncomfortable because you're having to deal with those inner demons, those inner desires that have been driving you. Um, some of those dark places that come from, a lot of times, our wombs um, in our past. And, and that's not a comfortable place. And that's why I've met so many people. They're like, well, I know that's good for you, but I'm just not that person. And I, I just look in the eye and say, yeah, you are. Because you need to go to that place for healing and refi- refining, mm. even if it's not enjoyable for you.
0: Right. <laughs> in fact, the more, the less we self identify as that person, in <laughs> other words, uh, the more unnatural that is, probably the more important it is as a spiritual priority for us.
2: Yeah, well said. Absolutely.
0: Man, we could talk about this one on and on. This is, and indeed we will, this is a part of um, the, the normal Christian life and a conversation that we'll keep having in a hundred different faces. Uh, thanks for taking time to, to dive a little deeper in it, unpack it, demystify the idea, uh, make it plain and accessible and, and really compelling. Danny, would you pray for us as we close? Yeah,
2: absolutely. God, may we be people of both community and solitude. And Lord, may out of the love in which we experience in the quiet and still and isolated places flow out of us into our community and into our relationships. Lord, I pray over everyone listening to this this morning that your Holy Spirit, just like it led Jesus into the wilderness, would lead them, that they don't go alone. It may be scary for them, to go to these places to face these areas of their hearts but let them know that they have a companion in the Holy Spirit who guides them into the wilderness who's there with them in these places of solitude and that God that even though it is refining it's refining to make us the people the men and women you've called us to be and so Lord I pray that that those listening today would enter with boldness for the sake of the world for the sake of their own souls and what you want to do and the transformation you want to bring in your name we pray amen
1: amen amen db pastor daniel thanks so much man Give us so much to to think about to pray about and i just pray everyone that's listening to this man let's take what god has spoken to us today and pray what's next for us how does god want to lead us deeper into this place of solitude with him. So thank you all so much for joining us. This has been The Deeper Dive. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on here next time.